0: Shattered like you've never been before. The life you knew in a thousand pieces on the floor, and words. From In times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart over you, it's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Into the light of grace
1: yesterday
2: We have a very exciting encounter with God today, Lyle. Okay, so you know
3: how we were talking about breakfast earlier.
2: We're going to point some fingers, but yes, go on.
3: And you know how we said that you should have your bigger meal in the morning and your lighter meal in the evening? Yes. Because you eat all of your energy food in the morning to get you through the day, and then you eat your light food in the evening, which digests easily and you can sleep on. Uh Uh-huh. Without adding it on. Uh Uh-huh. Um, We're going to, we're actually going to practice what we preach this morning I see So for the breakfast show, Uh we're just going to go, we're going to go heavy
2: (laughs) For our encounter with God
3: Bible study (laughs) Revelation chapter 13, uh, the Antichrist, the beast
2: We're going to identify who this is, get your fingers out This is going to be one time where it's okay to point fingers We're going to find out who it is and point some fingers
3: Alright, so let's start in Revelation chapter 12 And Mon, I wonder if you could read for us Verse 3, please.
2: Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Verse 4 as well, verse 4. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born.
3: Oh, and verse five. These are all good verses.
2: She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne.
3: Okay, so let's start from the end of this passage and work our way back. Who is the son who is taken up to God and sits on the throne of God?
2: This is a crazy story. Um... The, who sits on the side of the ground. Well, that would have to be Jesus. Okay, so it's Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: All right. So you've got uh, the woman that is ready to give birth. Mm-hmm. And you've got a dragon that is going to try and destroy the child as soon as it was born. Is that uh, Mary? Did, uh, d- uh, the woman in the Bible always symbolizes the church. Oh, okay. And Mary, of course, was a part of the church. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. Mm-hmm. Mary, but more specifically, the church that Mary is a part of, which is the Church of Israel before you had the um, Christian church,
2: mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> or yeah, you know, in the lead up to that, the foundation of it. Okay, so um, you've got Jesus. The, the, the key thing here is this. Jesus is about to be born, right? Yeah. And there's going to be an attempt on his life at his birth, isn't that so? Absolutely, yeah. That's very clear. And who's going to make that attempt on his life?
2: Uh, a large red dragon.
3: Large red dragon, and who made an attempt on the life of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, who did?
2: Um, Was it Herod?
3: Herod did. Yeah, is okay, he a so large red dragon? Is Herod a large red dragon? That's a very good question. I don't know. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. Who does the dragon symbolize in the Bible?
2: Is the devil right? Yes, it's For Satan. Sure. Yeah,
3: it's Satan. Okay. So did Satan try and kill Jesus at his birth, or did Herod try and do it?
2: Wouldn't it have been Satan through Herod?
3: Satan through Herod, exactly.
2: Yeah, just just the same way when we say something, if someone does something good or nice, we say we see Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. And the same way when someone does something evil, you can say you see Satan in them. That's so right. this, is Herod this is Herod doing some Satan this antics. This is
3: Satan doing things through Herod. Okay, gotcha. Now, do you typically see Satan you know, walking up and down the street creating havoc?
2: No. No. <laughs> Thank goodness.
3: Satan works through mm-hmm. people that... He um, that that associate with him, yeah, his servants, and Herod was his servant. Herod mm-hmm. was somebody who given his life to serve Satan, and so Satan was working through him. Satan also works through nations and empires. Okay, yep. Uh, when they are evil uh, in nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's another question. Then, what does an animal symbolize in the Bible? Uh, any animal? Yeah, when it's used symbolically.
2: What Um, what does a
3: beast symbolize? Because the Bible calls them beasts, but that's Old English. We just say an animal today.
2: Well, they're alive, so people are alive. So Mm -hmm. is it like people? Nope.
3: Go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 has our answer. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17. Uh, flick, flick, flick. So Can I read that? Yes, please. Daniel
2: seven seventeen. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth.
3: Thank you. So what does a beast symbolize? So it's a kingdom. And is a dragon a beast? Yes. So therefore the dragon symbolizes a kingdom. Ooh. That Satan is working through Ooh. to destroy Jesus Christ. Okay, got it. And we know that Herod was a part of that kingdom. Uh Uh-huh. And what kingdom was ruling the world when Herod was a part of that kingdom?
2: Wasn't it the Romans?
3: It was Imperial Rome.
2: Ooh, okay. Okay,
3: so the dragon in Revelation chapter 12 symbolizes Satan working through Imperial Rome to destroy Jesus. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's a really important point. Now, notice that the dragon... Has how many heads and how many crowns? And he how has many horns? Seven.
2: Seven heads and yeah. ten horns uh-huh. with seven crowns on his
3: heads. Okay, so he has seven heads, ten horns,
2: mm-hmm.
3: seven crowns on his heads, right?
2: Does that mean he has seven crowns on each head or seven crowns total?
3: Seven crowns total. Okay, all yeah, right. Seven crowns total. All right, now we go to the next chapter of Revelation, chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Because Revelation 13 is going to talk about the dragon and a new beast. Oh, okay. So Revelation thirteen, and just wonder if you could read for us verse one.
2: Then I saw a beast rising out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns. Each and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. Okay, so is this the same creature? It sounds very similar. It sounds very similar. Seven heads, it? ten horns, ten crowns.
3: Ah, oh, there's a difference. Mm, there is a difference. Ten Can, crowns, not yeah, seven crowns. And where are the crowns?
2: The, on the horns, before they're ah, on the heads. Ah,
3: before they're on the heads, now they're on the horns.
2: Yeah. Okay. And they had writing on the
3: heads. That's right, the writing of blasphemy. for me.
2: So this is not, This is also a bad beast.
3: So this is a religious beast because you know it's just not just you know has a very very uh, uh, very much a um, a religious agenda if you're going to be blaspheming.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, now read for me verse two and you'll find how very different this one actually is. It Sounds similar in verse one, but in verse two, it's like way different.
2: This beast looked like a leopard.
3: Okay, stop right there. What did the one, last one look like? A dragon. Yeah, this one looks like a big a what? red
2: dragon, a large red dragon. This one looks like a leopard. Mm-hmm. But it had the feet of a bear. That's weird. And the mouth of a lion.
3: Uh, That's even stranger. Well, maybe not on a leopard. I think that's That's kind of weird. We could do a face swap, you know.
2: (laughs) Maybe it had like the the mane, you know, the big lion mane on there. That's weird. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and a throne and great authority.
3: Okay. So so they are colluding. They are colluding together.
2: Okay, so the dragon is helping out the leopard by giving him power and throne and great authority.
3: That's exactly right. He's
2: kidded him out.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, absolutely, that's what is taking place right here. Okay, so back to where we were, and we were talking about this second beast, which looks a lot like the first beast, has a lot of the same similarities, but then has some vastly different ones. Mm-hmm. By the way, have you ever seen one of these? Yeah, No. That's good. I'm glad.
2: Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a panic attack if my saw something like that.
3: <laughs> yes, if you saw one of these, Mon, we we would um, we would get some help for you. Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Too <laughs> kind.
3: Some very, we send some very <laughs> nice people around <laughs> who um, drive one of those little vans, it's all pink <laughs> on the inside, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So <laughs> yeah sure. Take you away to a place where there was lots of you know uh-huh, just uh-huh. friendly people. To it hang does sound with. crazy. I have to admit, <laughs> clearly symbolic. But we're going to talk about it in just a moment.
1: To Faith FM, positively different radio.
3: So we have something here—a creature that is clearly symbolic. Another beast, and a beast symbolizes what? A kingdom. A kingdom. So we've got two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. And the first kingdom we know is Satan working through Imperial Rome uh-huh. and is giving to this second kingdom a number of things. What three things does he give to this kingdom in the end of verse two? His
2: own power and throne <laughs> excuse me, and throne and great authority.
3: Okay, so his power, his throne and his authority. And we looked at this briefly last last week. How that this is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ because the Father gave to Jesus His power, His throne, and His authority. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, somebody here who is vicariously acting as Christ, mm-hmm. standing in the place of. Vicarious means in the place of. Okay, so this is that's a clue, by the way. Ooh. Oh, we have, a, we have an extended quiz this morning. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Who is who is who is the beast that is spoken of here?
2: Yeah, actually, actually there's, a, there's there's
3: three beasts here because there's the one in chapter twelve, then there's the there's the one that we're studying now, and then there is another one that comes out of the earth at the end of chapter thirteen, and we're going to get to that one as we go through this week as well.
2: Okay, so we have one beast who gave another beast his power. Yeah. So, so if we you're have, not if you're have, not a
3: part of the first one, you might be a part of the second one. We, right, we don't. We don't yeah. want to leave anybody out here. To, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like
2: all that might be part of the third one. So you have you have basically a kingdom who is lending its power to another kingdom,
3: giving bequeathing might be the right word. Okay, bequeathing its power, its throne, and its authority to another kingdom.
2: So it's almost like an alliance, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Like an
3: alliance. Okay, so what have we got next uh verse three chapter thirteen and verse three and we know what the first kingdom is that's imperial that's satan working through imperial Rome mm-hmm. so you simply have to ask you a question who did imperial Rome give their power their seat and their authority to
2: uh as in like historically what came next y- historically or who did they historically,
3: with? who did they bequeath their power their throne and their authority too. <laughs> We're going to look at some history. I love history so much.
2: Okay, 13 verse 3. Yes, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond
3: recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. Okay, this is fascinating. What are you going to find if you study deeper into this beast? And unfortunately here on the radio we don't have time to go into all the depths of it, but if you would like to know really, really deep in Bible in-depth in, in Bible study on this one, give us a call because 1-800-325 or text us on 0491 064 669 or send us a message on Facebook and we can connect you with someone or a course that you can do so that you can learn more about the history and the details involved in this particular beast right here. However, Mm -hmm. it has seven heads. Mm -hmm. These heads are not simultaneous. They are consecutive. They come one at a time.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Okay, so even though you can see them all the time, there's only one that's controlling at a time. And so if one of these heads has a deadly wound, Mm -hmm. then we have to ask ourselves the question, what's going to happen to the beast? If you get a fatal wound in your head, Mm. what are your chances of survival? Well, I it's fatal, isn't, fatal isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a silly question, wasn't it? You are going to die.
2: But the, but you know this this uh, verse three keeps going. It says the fatal wound was healed.
3: Yes. The whole
2: world marvelled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast.
3: Okay, so if you saw an animal <coughs> that was shot straight through the head, ah, uh-huh, yeah, you'd expect it to. Just drop, bang, Absolutely. dead on the ground. Absolutely. Nerves shake a little bit, but it's gone. Uh-huh. uh This one receives a deadly wound straight through the head, and what happens? It's healed. It's healed. And all the world, it catches the attention, notice that, of mm. all the world, they're all marvelling at this particular creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, this prophecy's already been fulfilled.
1: Oh, it has? Oh, you've
3: got no idea. There, mate. There's just some cool information I'm going to share with you. Okay, what do they do as a result?
2: They, Verse four. they they are. Uh, they marvel at the miracle and give allegiance to the beast, and then they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worship the beast. Who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed, Who is able to fight against him?
3: So what's the issue that comes up here? Worship! The issue is worship, and of course we know that this is the issue at the end of time. Revelation 13 mentions the issue of worship over and over and over again. Worship is central to everything at the end of time. Who do you worship? Do you know what defines who you worship? What? It's not what you claim. Mm-hmm. Because you can claim, oh, I worship Jesus Christ, or I worship you know, this person or that person or another person or whoever it might be. <laughs> it's what you actually do.
2: That's true. I shouldn't speak louder than words.
3: It is... Who you obey is who you recognize as being greatest in your life.
2: Wow. Okay.
3: So you can say, I worship Jesus Christ and obey the beast. Mm
2: -hmm. And if you
3: are obeying the beast, you are acknowledging that the beast is more powerful than Jesus Christ because that's who you are obeying.
2: Wow. That's uh, that's pretty profound. It is. It makes me think about how it is you live your life it mm. you know, causes you to self-examine who am I obeying you know because we could worship ourselves you know yeah, do what we want to do. We say we worship Jesus, we say we follow him but then you know we don't follow his commandments, we follow our own commandments because they're not convenient to follow his. so yep. yeah
3: and that's why I is the middle letter of sin.
2: That's right, yeah.
3: You know, ourselves. And this is why Paul speaks about dying to self, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, self is self is what gets us into trouble all the time. The worst thing you can ever do is to be true to yourself. You need to die to self and live for Jesus Christ. Be true to Jesus Christ, not to yourself. Myself, I get myself into trouble all the time. All the time. Jesus has never, ever got me into trouble. Amen. Amen. All right, where were we up to? We were uh, talking about the deadly wound, and we were talking about worship. The whole world is
2: now worshiping okay, okay, this beast. Okay, okay,
3: verse four. Verse four gives a time period in relationship to this particular beast. Verse 5, sorry. Verse 5.
2: Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do to do whatever he wanted for 42 months.
3: Huh. How long is that? It's like
2: three and a half years
3: That's in biblical time. Mm-hmm. It's exactly three and a half years because in biblical time, a biblical year, you can find this in the book of Genesis, is exactly 360 days long. Oh. A month being exactly 30 days long.
2: Mm-hmm, okay. Okay.
3: And of course, Jews, you know, Karaite Jews and so forth, who keep the biblical year um, every four years, they have an extra month that they add in so that they can resync their calendar. Oh, yeah, that's well, an interesting system, that. but it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of different calendars around the world that use different systems, and this is uh, this is one that uses the biblical 360 day year, and it works. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got this. Uh, you've got this whole system here of. Um, Of uh, three and a half years, Mm -hmm. 360 days to a year, which adds up to, you can calculate this on your phone if you like, exactly 1,260 days in total.
2: One thousand two hundred and sixty
3: days. What does a day symbolize in Bible <laughs> prophecy? A year. A day symbolizes a year, so this is a very long period of time, is isn't long, it? Long, yeah, yeah. One thousand two hundred and sixty years, and during this particular time, he's going to do great things and blasphemies, and he's going to persecute God's people. The Bible says in verse six, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme His name and His tabernacle, and those that live in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. That sounds like a dark period. Uh, it does indeed. Oh, I saw what you did there. I saw what you did there. What did you do there, Mon?
2: Well, this is this is referring to the Dark Ages. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The Dark Ages right here. Mm-hmm. Uh well done.
2: Thanks, yeah. yeah. But it's
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the Dark Ages. The Bible actually predicted the Dark Ages. A lot of people don't realize that. But, you know, from the uh, from 476, which is the fall of the Roman Empire, which is the end of the ancient history, mm-hmm. you have the Dark Ages that then carry you through to 1798, exactly 1260 years, and the Industrial Revolution, which brings in the modern era. Mm-hmm. And essentially that is how history is divided up. Ancient history Medieval history, modern history and medieval history is also known as the Dark Ages because humanity went backwards during that time. Absolutely. They crept back into superstition and into you know a lot of the science and the knowledge that had been gathered by the you know the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Romans, the Greeks was lost mm-hmm. during this particular time period and you know it, the world was a very dark place. Okay, so we have here, uh, so so then we have to ask ourselves this question, we know what the first beast is, that is Imperial Rome. Mm -hmm. Satan working through Imperial Rome to destroy Jesus, and then we next have to ask ourselves the question, who did Imperial Rome give their power to, their throne to, and their authority to? Who then ruled over the world for the next 1,260 years, after which it received a deadly or a fatal wound that was miraculously healed? We know that a beast symbolizes a nation, so we are looking for a state, a nation here. We're going to be back to talk more about this in just a moment. Mm -hmm. With our encounter with God A rather heavy subject for you all this morning mm-hmm. But Mon, was there ever a nation That Imperial Rome Gave their power, their throne And their authority to That actually bequeathed it to them Legally That is still in existence today
2: A nation that Imperial Rome Gave its power to mm-hmm.
3: Hmm. Even the titles of its emperors Was passed on to it
2: Hmm. I don't know. It still
3: exists today. Yes. Well, actually, the answer is very, very simple. It was the Vatican. Oh. Let me show you a little bit of history behind it, how that actually took place. Uh, When Constantine came to power in the early 300s, he moved the, the, the capital of the empire or the seat of the empire from the city of Rome to the city of Constantinople. Mm-hmm. So he was a, uh, he, he was a secular pagan, uh, emperor who made Christianity, the state religion and moved the capital of the empire over to the city of Constantinople that he named after himself or renamed after himself. We also call it Istanbul or Byzantium. Yep. And having done so, of course that left the city of Rome, which had ruled over the world for about 400 years, uh, uh, in a bit of a vacuum, and there was a power vacuum there. And so Western Europe sort of collapsed. It fell apart. Initially, it fell apart into ten separate nations. There are ten horns in the beast, remember? Oh, okay. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sneaky. And, uh, and so the emperors who are now in the east – decided they had to do something to stabilize the West and at the same time as all this was going on there was a big dispute happening about who was the number one bishop that was in the world and so by this time Emperor Justinian has come to power and he decrees that uh, so he solves both problems at once he decrees that uh, the the sorry the, the Bishop of Rome is the number one uh, bishop in the world and gives to him political power oh the problem was the so decree was made in 533. Mm-hmm. The problem was that the Ostrogoths were ruling in the city of Rome and they were, they were electing their own bishops. Uh, they were putting their own people in power. And so he had to send his general, Belisarius, who drove the Ostrogoths out of Rome.
2: Wait, who were the Ostrogoths?
3: They were uh, probably ancient relatives of yours.
2: Okay, all right.
3: Yes, they're kind of like a bit Germanic.
2: Ah, I see, I see, yeah, I see. Goths. So they're a group of people, essentially.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't exist anymore. Oh. yeah, they were wiped out. They never, they, they never ever recovered from uh, Justinian's attacks on them. Okay, okay. But he drives them out of the city of Rome mm-hmm, in the year 538. Uh, of course, the Ostrogoth uh, bishop was taken off the throne, or the Ostrogoth pope, we might say, was taken off the throne. And uh, Justinian had his man placed there, and the uh, other uh, bishop was then executed. Um, and so, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, this was it was uh, kind of bloodthirsty. This was how things happened in the day. And so what they did was, what Imperial Rome did was, he gave to the Bishop of Rome, he gave him the seat or the throne mm-hmm. of the emperors. Mm-hmm. He gave him the power and authority of the emperors mm-hmm. through this particular decree. And they are still there today. And of course, the Imperial Roman emperors were called you know, Pontifex Maximus.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and of course, we still refer to the pontiff today.
2: It's amazing. It's
3: some very interesting history. Okay, so the question that people ask me at this particular point is like, oh, wow, that sounds really bad. Does that mean all Roman Catholics are lost? What do you think, Mon? No. No, of course no. not. No. We are lost or saved by our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is just history. I mean, and, of course, this is not the only beast here in the book of Revelation. Does it mean that, okay, because uh, the first beast symbolizes Satan working through Imperial Rome, Were all Roman citizens lost hmm no. Because Paul was a Roman citizen.
2: Yeah, that's right.
3: Uh, there's another beast coming up that we're going to be talking about later on in the week, which is the United States. Does that mean that my wife is automatically lost because she's a part of the United States? She's, no. She's American, for those who might be wondering. No, of course not
2: especially cuz that isn't necessarily something you can control, you know, where yeah. you're born and you know which nation you know, yeah. you, you have citizenship to. So,
3: yeah. okay, so this is all about our relation. Salvation is about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to make that very very clear, but we also need to recognize how history has fulfilled Bible prophecy. That's true. Because the Bible then goes on to say that this particular nation, the Vatican, would have power over the world and would rule for 1,260 years, after which it would receive a deadly wound, after which that deadly wound would be healed.
2: So, it basically ruled during the Dark Ages.
3: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, height of the, the height of the Roman Catholic uh, power was the. Um, th- there's an inverse relationship between the darkness of the Dark Ages and the heightness of. and, 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 and the power that uh, Rome was wielding mm-hmm. during this particular time here. And really, what that comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter whether it is um, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Islamic, um, Buddhist, or Hindu, whenever you get a union of church and state, you get Dark Ages. It's that simple. Wow, okay. That's why God said that these two things, church and state, were to be kept separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the Roman Catholic Church here, but we could talk about Protestant evangelical churches. We could talk about, you know, Islam and other places. Wherever you've got a union of religion and politics together, you have a disaster. And that's what we had during the Dark Ages. That's what caused the Dark Ages. It so was, a, was a major mistake.
2: Religions should never be
3: allowed to lead a nation. They should not be no, a political... No, no, yeah. no. Absolutely not. In the, in, the, in the constitution of ancient Israel, the king could never be the priest, and the priest could never be the king. Mm-hmm. They were two separate roles that you know, completely separate from each other.
2: And I think... you know, And, and God said, you know, don't let them be together. Don't, you know, yeah. don't let churches unite. And I think this is often where people, you know, because this is a valid argument. A lot of people say... I, w- I, n- I don't want anything to do with religion because religion has caused so many wars. And it's true. And it's true because, um, because they've disobeyed God and they've married church and state. Exactly. And if they'd kept it separate, it wouldn't have been such exactly. a bloody...
3: Historically Christianity yeah. has Christianity has the history of more violence than any other religion that has ever existed mm-hmm. and that violence has been driven by a union of church and state and Christianity doesn't have excuse because it is the one religion that actually has a religious text that tells us over and over and over again that church and state are not to be united Amen. You know, within Islam, they have a text that says, no, yeah, yeah, they should be united. Mm-hmm. So at least they've got an excuse for doing it. Yeah. But Christianity has no excuse whatsoever at all, and we should never have become involved in it, and we shouldn't be involved in it now.
2: It's flying in the face of God.
3: It is, very much so. Okay. Okay, so where are we up to? We were talking, oh, the 1260 years begins in 538, because that's when political power was first given to the Bishop of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was given the title of the pontiff and so forth from the Imperial Roman Emperors. If you go from 538 – oh, by the way, the decree was made in 533. It came into effect in 538. Okay. So if you go from 533 and you go 1,260 years, guess what you find happening?
2: Um, The end of
3: it? Another decree is made to end it. Okay, but that decree doesn't come into effect until 1798. Well, that's a... So you can uh, this is this is this is freaky right here, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You can date it from 533 uh-huh. to 1793. That's 1260 years oh. from the from the decree to the decree. Yeah, you can date it from 538 to 1798, which is the decree coming into effect to the decree coming into effect. Uh huh. Which is so both ways will give you um, the fulfilment of the prophecy. But the most dramatic fulfilment, of course, is 1798 because the decree was made by the French government Mm -hmm. to do away with the Vatican government or the Papal States as they were then known. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, Napoleon was in charge and it wasn't in his political interest and Napoleon always did what he felt like doing and didn't take a whole lot of notice of what the French parliament said. And he was camped in northern Italy in 1797, and they were like, "Go down there, take him, take you get rid of the get rid of the 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 papacy, you know, and all this kind of thing." He's like, "Yeah, no, (laughs) no." And if he had obeyed, the prophecy would have failed by one year. Oh, really? But God knows the future, and He knows it exactly. And in 1798. In January, just as the year was beginning, there was a riot in Rome. One of uh, Napoleon's relatives-to-be was killed, and Napoleon went down there and ended the uh, papal government. So there's some history for you, but let's focus our attention on Jesus Christ because that is where we find salvation. There was a
4: man, they called him Jesus, What the shores of Galilee the sick and calmed the waters, made the blinded eye to see, raised the dead and cleansed the leper, had the power to set men free, but best of all, he went to Calvary, bled and died for you and me to watch. walk. like Jesus. I want to talk. talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just, like my Lord. just like my Lord. I want to help, help my neighbor. My man. Or him man. I want to spread. I want my love. I want to spread his word. I want, I want to sing. I want to shout. To heal the world. I want to tell, want to tell the, the world, world about, about his love. I want to walk, walk like Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want, to I want to be just like my Lord. Like my Lord. I wish that Do I could have been with him. With him. When he stepped out on the sea And heard him say to Simon Peter Come my son and follow me soon The dawn will break around us And his face we shall behold Oh what a time we'll have together Shouting down the streets of gold I want to walk I want to talk like Jesus I want to be Just like my Lord I want to help my name, My fellow man I want to spread His word I want to sing I want to shout I want to world. I want to tell the world about His love I want to walk like Jesus I want to Talk like Jesus I want to be Just like my Lord my Lord, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. I want, I want to be just like my Lord, just like my Lord. I want to help, help my neighbor, or him labor, I want to spread, I want my love to spread his word. I want to sing. I want to shout. To heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to be just like my Lord. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord.
2: food fun friends and fellowship sure do then join us at the Philos food hub for five dollars you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well wow where at the adventist church on newcastle road walls end number 63
3: is that the big iconic a-frame church near the roundabout
2: sure is and it starts 10 a.m every
3: thursday great i'll see you there
0: Hello, Jackie speaking.
3: Hi, Jackie. I've just cleaned and polished my motorcycle. Who can I ride with?
2: Why not ride with us? Who's us? Adventist Motorcycle Ministry.
3: What is Adventist Motorcycle Ministry?
2: Adventist Motorcycle Ministry is a Christian motorcycle riders group. We are drug and alcohol free. Rides are normally on the first Sunday of each month.
0: Are other riders welcome? Yes, of
2: course. But they need to be aware that AMM is drug and alcohol free.
3: Where can I find out more information? Just ring Jeff on
2: 0458 000 0505.
3: Yes, call Jeff on 0458 000
0: 0505 for more details. That number again is 0458 000 0505. You're
1: listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
5: Of praise in the hour of darkness. Notes of praise when God seems silent. In questions or pain or anger or shame, there's still a song in the night. sing though the shadows taunt you
3: is our question for question of the day so our question of the day is
0: where is jesus now and why hasn't he returned yet oh not so much where is
3: jesus where is but also what is he doing oh well this is actually a number of questions so let me try and answer as much of this as i can in the short space that we have right here so we'll start in hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1 the bible says now this is the now the things which we have spoken this is the summary we have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is sitting on the right hand of the throne of the majesty, that's the Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. So first of all, if you want to know where Jesus is, the Bible says he is sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's fairly simple. Well, whereabouts are they sitting? The Bible says that Jesus there is a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord built and not man. So if you want to know where God's throne is, God's throne is in his sanctuary, his tabernacle, his temple. The one here on earth, you know, one of the grandest buildings ever built, was just a very, very faint reflection. The Bible describes it as almost being, or as being like a shadow of the great original in heaven where God's throne is. Okay, so that's where Jesus is. The Bible says what he is doing there. The Bible says that he is ministering ministering in that temple, in that sanctuary. Well, what does a priest, what does a minister do in the sanctuary? Uh, Very simply, uh, a priest would bring blood into the sanctuary or the flesh of an animal into the sanctuary to symbolize the transference of sin from the sinner to God's sanctuary where Mm -hmm. God could deal with that sin and be gone forever. Jesus goes into that sanctuary he doesn't bring the blood of a lamb or the flesh of a lamb he walks in there with his own body his own blood with the merits of his own sacrifice that he you know, died for us on Calvary so that he can there minister on our behalf uh, to bring salvation to each one of us so Jesus right now is in heaven in the temple in heaven doing everything that he possibly can to get you there so that's really good news praise yeah. God amazing yeah. All right. So that was the first part of the question. First two parts of the question. I think the third part was, why hasn't he come yet? And we've yeah. got a minute 50, so let's see what we can do in a short space of time like that. If we go to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says, uh, Wherefore, beloved, see, where are we? Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So the Bible says here that we can actually have an impact on when it is that Jesus returns. Well, how can that happen? If you go to Matthew chapter 24, the Bible gives one of the conditions that must be fulfilled before Jesus can come back. says so Matthew 24 and down in verse 14, the Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then the end will come. The Bible is very clear. Jesus will not return until every person on this planet has made their decision either for or against him. And the reason for this is obvious, if you go back to uh, where we were in Second Peter a minute ago, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. That's the promise of His return. As some men count slackness, He is long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Typically what happens is that a person's probation, their opportunity for salvation, ends when they die. Mm-hmm. The decision is made when they die. That, that's not going to change after that. When Jesus returns, something different will take place. Probation for most of the people on this planet will end while they are still alive. Mm-hmm. Therefore, every person must make their final decision before Jesus can close probation, bring it all to an end, and return to this earth. You're listening to Faith FM. <laughs> you guys that we always enjoy your company here on the morning on The Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio, where you will hear positively different news. You will get an opportunity to hear what we're thankful for, and hopefully you can think of what you're thankful for this morning as well. Um, Of course, there is always something to be thankful for, and we want to promote good, positive thoughts, positive vibes, and good health in your life every day. Good mental health, and the, the foundation of good mental health is being Finding something to be thankful for every day.
2: And one of the one of the other steps you can take towards uh, good mental health is having good family relationships. And we want to encourage everyone who might be struggling with a family relationship, bend some broken bridges, um, get in touch, uh, you know, patch those things up.
1: From falling to the only God Be all glory and honor Majesty and power For all ages now and forevermore